familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Are you concerned about breastfeeding after being sexually abused and how this might affect your breastfeeding relationship? I'm Dr. Diana Shostrom. I am a clinical psychologist and licensed marriage family therapist. My specialty is understanding sexual trauma. Today we are talking about being a survivor of sexual abuse and how this can affect our breastfeeding relationship. This is The Boob Group. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the Boob Group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Leilani Wild. I'm also an IBCLC and owner of Leilani's Lactation and Doula Services. If you are a busy mama who is always on the go, we encourage you to download the free Boob Group app available in the Android, iTunes, and Windows Marketplace. You can also download our new network app so you can listen to all the shows we produce, including the Boob Group. And if you want more great breastfeeding information week after week, consider joining our club. You'll get bonus content, transcripts, discounts from our partners, and more. Visit our website at newmommymedia.com for more information. Now, Sunny is going to tell us about how you can be part of the Boob Group. All right. Hi, everybody. So the Boob Group has a Facebook page. We also have a Twitter page that you guys can join us and be part of. New Mommy Media has an Instagram page. And I always take a bunch of photos as we're uh, recording our episodes, and I'll put them up there. So if you're ever curious what we all look like here in the studio, be sure to check that out. Um, There's a couple segments that you guys can participate if you want to be part of the actual Boob Group podcast. So we have a segment we do called Boob Oops, and it's where we share our funny breastfeeding stories, pumping stories as well. You can recommend an app for us to discuss on the show. And you can also ask our experts any questions you want regarding breastfeeding or even just being a new parent in general. So if you go to our website, newmommymedia.com, it has all of our experts there. For any of our segments, you can submit via our website. Just go to the contact link. And uh, there's also a way for you to uh, ask your questions via voicemail or submit your experiences via voicemail. All of that information is on the website. Today in our studio, we have Kristen. Hi, I'm Kristen. I'm 29 years old. Um, I'm a birth doula and postpartum doula, and I'm also the mother of three kids, ages five and a half, three and a half, and two. 
And she's also the host of the Newbies podcast, which is our newest podcast here on the New Mommy Media Network. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and on, on the phone, we have Nikki. Hi, I'm Nikki. I'm 31 years old. I'm a stay-at-home mom with two children, a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and a seven-month-old son. <laughs> Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Okay, so before we kick off our show today, we have a news headline that I thought was interesting that I wanted to bring up. Um, many of you guys have heard of the big latch-on that was earlier this month, and it's a, 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 a way that women can publicly breastfeed, show their support, and they try to get as many mothers together in different locations to do that, and they actually try to break records with this. So it's a very pro-breastfeeding effort, and it ties into our news headline today because a mother had some photos taken of her at a big latch-on event. And she wanted to have these photos printed. So she took them to her local Walmart. And this took place in New Hampshire. And the Walmart employee refused to develop the photos, citing that it was against company policy. And so she was really upset by that. Obviously, this is something that she's proud of and a memory that she wanted to preserve. I do have to say, though... Uh, that Walmart did come back and has since apologized and said that um, that was not okay that 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 happened. But I put this on our Facebook page for the boob group to see if other people had experienced something like this. I guess I never really thought about it. I don't know that I've any selfies or any photos I've taken of breastfeeding has been done with my iPhone and I haven't tried to to get them developed. But um, what do you guys think about this? Are you surprised that they wouldn't do it? Kristen, what do you think? Um, I'm not particularly surprised just because our culture still sexualizes women's breasts so much that we forget that one of their purposes is for feeding children. Um, So I'm not particularly surprised. I am disappointed because I'm sure that that kind of uh, put a damper on this mom's proud moment to bring this in. And I'm sure she thought about taking them home where she was going to frame them or whatever she's going to do with them. So, um, and I don't know that we should necessarily feel like, well, we have to print all our pictures at home anytime we want to do something, you know, related to breastfeeding. Um, But I, I think it's also, um, you know, something that companies need to really discuss. Um, We're hearing about a lot of companies coming up, uh, Target, uh, for example, really being more supportive of breastfeeding. So I think now, especially because women are doing things like the latch on and being so vocal about, um, you know, being able to breastfeed openly, uh, I think a lot of companies are going to have to reevaluate their policies because um, these women aren't going to be quiet. They're not going to back off. So they are going to have to meet them where they're at or they're going to lose business. Right. Nikki, what do you think? It surprises me a little bit um, that in this day people aren't more accepting but it doesn't shock me. It disappoints me that a mother's beautiful moment 
that's probably tainted by that person's actions. And I think that it's important that as we hear stories like that, we rally around that mother and her um, right and ability to print those pictures and display that moment because obviously it was important for her. I agree. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can see a positive in all this, though, mm. because it opens up the doors to more communication and more exposure. So this mom, she not only got her um, moment broadcasted worldwide, right, but now she has that to stand by to tell her child about how well she right. stood up for her rights, and they did rectify it. So in an essence, this has actually been a blessing in disguise. So I'm, I'm kind of glad about that. What I thought was interesting is that they didn't really say, Walmart didn't come out and say, no, we're now going to, you know, print these type of photos. All they did, all the, okay, so all the article says they did was apologize. So now I'm wondering if someone else tried to do this. I mean, Walmart's obviously a huge company, a huge business with locations all over the country. What would happen? You know? I, you know what? You can self-develop too. So I bet, right. I bet no matter what, they had a lot of negative um, an experience to that from the, their standpoint. So I bet that they probably did have to print them. Yeah, <laughs> I bet they did. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing the effects of being a survivor of sexual abuse and breastfeeding. Our expert, Diana Shostrom, is a marriage and family therapist for over 40 years in private practice. She also specializes in helping survivors of sexual trauma. Thank you for joining us, Diana, and welcome to the show. Nice to be here. I hope I will be helpful. Oh, I'm sure you will. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Diana, how common is it to work with a mom who has a history of sexual abuse? Actually, it's very common. Um, the latest statistic tells us it's one in three women have a history of sexual abuse. So I see that quite frequently in my private practice. And since birth and breastfeeding is the very essence of our sexuality, if your sexuality has been violated um, in any way, it will most often affect your breastfeeding experience. Mm -hmm. Do they often experience uh, PTSD? Frequently. In in fact, um, most of them, when they look back through their history, do talk about the inability to sleep or to have... um, anxiety or uh, flashbacks, which we'll talk about in a minute, the types of flashbacks. Okay. And so that's what they present with is, is anxieties and phobias and different types of traumas. Uh, Nikki, did you experience sexual abuse as a child or as an adult? Um, I was sexually abused as a child and raped as an adult. Oh my. And did it affect your desire to breastfeed prior to giving birth or with the, that first latch? I had absolutely no desire to breastfeed. I was very vocal about the fact that I was not going to breastfeed. I brought formula to the hospital with me because I didn't want to breastfeed. I made it clear to every nurse, every doctor, every person in the delivery room, my husband. Everybody knew there was not a chance in the world I was going to breastfeed. Mm. What about you, Kristen? Um, I had uh, sexual trauma um, as a as a young child around 
four or five years old. And then I also was assaulted by a high school boyfriend when I was 16. Um, and how about you? Did it affect your desire to want to breastfeed? It did. I, um, When I was pregnant with my first child, I was very, very fearful of um, how I was going to feel about even trying to breastfeed her because at that point in my life, that was an exclusively sexual part of my body. And um, I just could not imagine having any sort of um, different association with that part of my body, especially for the purpose of feeding my child. So, um, yeah, I was definitely very, um, very nervous about how that was going to play out when she was born. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I also had some experiences that as a, as a child and I remember, uh, my first latch and it was, um, it was an emotional moment, I believe, but I was so empowered about breastfeeding that it kind of over, I don't know, it kind of covered up some of what I was feeling internally and I didn't voice it, but I was feeling it emotionally. And so it was an internal battle, battle that I remember feeling. Diana, can breastfeeding trigger flashbacks? Yes, it can, because the most intimate you'll ever be is between mother and baby. Um, when the baby latches on, the heart of the mother literally connects with her pelvis and in a healthy person that has not been violated, that is a very warm, nurturing, streaming kind of experience. Um, so what's actually being damaged the most through sexual abuse is the ability to be okay with intimacy mm-hmm. and to feel that it's okay to have those feelings and to ground them and feel comfortable and graceful with them. Um, because if the baby picks up that you're uncomfortable, the baby will internalize that it has something to do with him or her. So what we're looking at here, I think, is how do we establish comfortable intimacy? Do they, do the babies pick that up from the very beginning, or is that something as, as time grows on? I think they, they I pick it up in utero, okay. and it's really important when you're pregnant to admit out loud that you've been violated, and, but this has nothing to do with you, the baby, and that you're a good, strong, healthy adult, and that you're going to be working on these feelings, and you're going to work on being afraid and angry, and that this has nothing to do with the baby. And so right from the beginning, then the baby learns that feelings are okay, and mom's in charge, she will protect me, she's an adult, and she will process this. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with me. Right, that's wonderful too, because there's so many moms that are not in touch with that that concept. Right. I remember taking um, a seminar course on how the babies connect with the moms in utero and how much they feel and actually can, can, I don't know, in a way see. It's it's like it's an very it's true. A inside window and mm-hmm. it's really quite amazing and mm-hmm. I'm glad that you said that because mm-hmm. it's a reminder for me uh, and for everyone out there that's listening. And it's more important not just to think it but to say it out loud and really say what you mean and mean what you're saying and to really feel the um, honor of being a mother and the responsibility to tell your truth out loud and to deal with things. Mm-hmm. Nikki, did you experience any flashbacks? I did. Um, the first time my daughter latched on, like I said, was um, not a moment I anticipated or planned for. Um, I planned exactly the opposite, but she was born not breathing, so they took her away. And when they brought her back, I don't know exactly what happened in me. I can't I can't really tell you about that exact moment, what was going on, because it's so surreal to me even to this day. 
But they put her on me to do skin to skin and something in my heart just said, this is what's right. This is what's supposed to happen. And she did the breast crawl, crawled up and latched on. I can tell you that I think in that moment, the 29 years of hurt and pain that I had been carrying around, some very small part of it, but a very important and significant part of it was healed in that moment. And it wasn't always smooth sailing. And it still isn't always smooth sailing. I, in the weeks after she was born, I experienced intense flashbacks, especially in the middle of the night, because that's when most of my abuse happened when I was a child. And I had to do a lot of grounding and work out a lot of techniques to help me um, stay in the moment and remind myself that she is my now and not my past. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. How about you, Kristen? Um, I don't remember having um, vivid flashbacks. I do remember having anxiety attacks, um, both while I was still pregnant and afterwards, just because um, uh, I also had a traumatic birth experience. So I think that really, um, you know, while I'm trying to breastfeed and take care of an infant, uh, made it even more so because I couldn't address what I was going through because I had someone else depending on me. Uh, I think that's part of the problem when you have uh, previous life trauma and you become a mother is um, you don't really get to compartmentalize. Everything just kind of happens all at once because there's no time to just take time for yourself and process what's happened to you and what is happening to you. Um, So I definitely had um, anxiety attacks and I actually remember vividly um, just crying on the floor with my husband and just, you know, telling him what was coming back for me and why I was just so upset. Um, But I actually did find some healing with breastfeeding. Uh, I was really worried that I wasn't going to want to do it or that it was going to feel like um, sexual and it didn't feel like that at all. And I I was able to breastfeed all three of my kids. I'm really glad that I got to have that relationship with them. That's, That's good. Do you know or can you recall how long it took you to overcome those feelings? Um, yeah, I, I, it kind of all just feels like a big blur, to be honest, that first year postpartum with each of my kids. But, um, I think, um, my first, we struggled with our breastfeeding relationship for multiple reasons, but, um, with my second and third child, um, it didn't feel like, uh, something that I had to force myself to do like it did with my first, mm-hmm. uh, with my second and third, it just felt like something natural to do. So I think, um, just going through that process with my first and, you know, she was, she was my learning curve. Sorry, baby girl. Uh, <laughs> but, um, she, she and I killed each other. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And, and Nikki, how about you? Do you recall how long it took you to overcome those feelings, those flashbacks and making it all okay? Honestly, I still struggle with these things sometimes. i experienced sort of a resurgence of everything when my son was born and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he is a male um albeit a very small one but he is still a male so I had to almost deal with everything again and try to um again find techniques to work through it because it brought up some of those same feelings and still to this day I'm still nursing my two-and-a-half-year-old. I'm still nursing my seven-month-old. Sometimes I'm tandem nursing them, and I still have to use these techniques sometimes when anxiety or um, flashbacks hit me. So I think it's just something I'm I'm just going to struggle with, but it's something that I'm committed to working through and maybe someday overcoming. Mm -hmm. Diana, do you have something to add? 
Yes, uh, you have to realize that your body contains emotion, especially anger and fear is cumulative. It stays in your viscera and your muscles and your skeletal system. And if you don't literally discharge it out of your body, you will carry it and then it will be, get re-stimulated every time you nurse or every time you think about it or every time you have a flashback. And often that's why you're having flashbacks is the body's trying to get you to process those feelings literally out of your body so you can get grounded and then authentically get over it so it doesn't keep reoccurring. And a lot of women don't know how to discharge that feeling. And the best thing I can tell you to do is to lay down on your bed and kick it, kick your legs up and down and breathe and just say, I hate being afraid. I hate abuse or back off or leave me alone or whatever comes to you. As long as you're kicking and only using your legs and breathing, you will not overwhelm yourself or get yourself into trouble. It will actually drain the anger and fear out of your body and discharge it out your feet so it goes out your feet out into the universe rather than you carrying it around for the rest of your life and being the container of the negativity and the fear and the abuse it's not you didn't sign up for the abuse you didn't cause it you didn't deserve it it's not your job to contain it and carry it around it's your job to release it and let it go well, when we come back, we will discuss with Diana what we can do to establish a positive experience with breastfeeding and the tools along with knowing where to get the right support. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show. We are here with Diana Showstrom, and we're talking about how we can create a positive breastfeeding experience after being sexually abused. Diana, what are some of the ways that we can help a mom work through the struggle? You mentioned earlier about kicking and kind of releasing it, but are there medications or an, a, like maybe an explanation of what sensations are normal? Well, ideally, it's best to address these issues before you get pregnant because then you could access different medications for anxiety attacks or for panic disorder. Um, and also, when you're preparing your nipples for breastfeeding, you will get a big clue at those, those times if that's uncomfortable, if you get a queasy feeling in your stomach and if you feel uneasy. And a big clue is if you pull your chin up and you stop breathing, there's a sign that something's about to bubble up in your memory that's really uncomfortable. And it's best then to address that maybe by seeking counseling with a licensed professional, but you have to be really sure that that licensed professional specializes in sexual abuse and ideally has given birth and uh, breastfed herself. It's usually not a good idea to see a male because most often it's a male that violated you and it's just too re-stimulating and very difficult. But I find the most help comes from other mothers and from self-help groups of women that have been violated. There's nothing more healing than to meet another victim and to have her be a partner in working through your feelings. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, someone that has been, someone that has successfully gotten through it. Right. right, or they're in the middle of working it through and feeling comfortable with it and having hope because they might be in a relationship with a therapist and working on okay, it. Okay, maybe they're a few steps right, ahead of right. where you are. So. Because you don't want to re-abuse yourself by being with someone that's uncomfortable or 
questioning you or having a funny look on their face or an uneasiness in their body as they're trying to help you because mm-hmm. it's simply you get re-abused and so now you've got a double problem so it's really important to be very careful who you pick. It would be better to go to a massage therapist and get a deep massage and breathe and knowing that she has had awareness of those issues and is comfortable with them and just allow you to cry very deeply or to work on your feelings as you're being massaged. What about Reiki? Reiki's good. Uh, bioenergetic analysis is good. Rolf- rolfing. Uh-huh. It's also good to get EMDR or um, trauma-releasing exercises, and people can look up to find out what those are, but it's a way of releasing post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms by working with the brain when you work with EMDR or or TRE, which is trauma-releasing exercises. Yeah, I've never heard of any of that. Yeah, it's a very powerful way of working with PTSD. They're doing it a lot with the military. Okay, and how long, or is it individually, how long it takes for someone to um, get that kind of help Is it like one session or many sessions? I'll tell you what it depends on. The earlier the abuse, the more severe the trauma. The younger the child is or the younger you were when you experienced the abuse, the bigger impact it has on your ability to trust, ability to understand, ability to process, ability to reach out for help. So probably as a rule of thumb, the younger the person is when they were sexually abused, the longer it will take. The older they are, the more they're able to cognitively understand and work things through. Mm, Interesting. I'm sure it has a lot to do with being, um, not having a voice. I mean, you don't feel like you have a voice whether you're a child or an adult, but more so as a small child. Exactly. Nor the cognitive ability to understand what's going on. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So I know that some people recommend using a nipple shield um, to kind of transfer the sensation of direct contact from breastfeeding from the baby's mouth to the breast. Do you ever recommend anything like that? No, because it's really about establishing an honest relationship with being intimate and only to the level that you can feel comfortable with intimacy is it really good for the baby to breastfeed. In fact, I feel that bottle feeding, if if a woman cannot establish feeling okay and relaxed and being able to breathe and enjoy and feeling peaceful and good about the breastfeeding, it would be better to bottle feed and feel relaxed and comfortable and feel that joy and goodness that she can transmit to the child. Because the most important thing is to be able to open your heart and be comfortable with the intimacy and let that flow into the child. Mm -hmm. In fact, research shows us the more comfortable we are with our bodies and our sexuality in a wholesome way, the more milk that we make. And it's, yeah, so it's just, it's about the relationship. It's not so much about can I breastfeed and am I successful at producing milk and getting this job done. The concern should be with the baby and what they're experiencing with you. That connection. Because they will absorb what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Nikki, did you have any particular methods that worked well for you? Um, I have done extensive therapy and um basically been in therapy for 12 years so I have a lot of grounding techniques that I used um, and I sort of transferred that stuff over to breastfeeding so I a lot of um, rubbing my daughter's feet or smelling her head when I was um, starting to experience some of the things that I would experience when I was having a flashback 
to remind myself that that was my daughter and not my abuser. Um, I did a lot of, I wore a rubber band around my wrist um, and I wouldn't snap it to cause myself pain, but I would sort of fit um, and it gave me something to focus on rather than the thoughts in my head. Um, and honestly, just talking about it. I talked about it constantly in the beginning to anybody who was around or who would listen because I needed to say, you know, I feel this or this is what I'm remembering in this moment or this is how this is making me feel. And that was honestly probably the most helpful thing to me is to be able to vocalize what I was going through and have people around me who understood. And even if they didn't know what I was going through, they listened and they were empathetic and they could take in that moment with me and they didn't judge and they didn't, you know, make me feel bad or make me feel like what I was experiencing was wrong. So, and having people around me who knew my past, you know, my husband already knew what had happened to me. My mother-in-law already knew what had happened to me. So when these things came up, it, it wasn't news to them. It wasn't, you know, something shocking they already knew so they I think they sort of anticipated this despite my being adamant that I wasn't going to breastfeed I think once I made the decision that I was going to I think everybody around me expected that I was going to have some of these reactions so it was really helpful to have people supportive people around me who knew what I was what I was up against and what had happened to me well I have to say you're very brave because I, I did not take that stance I kept that to myself um, very few people, even to this day, even knew about my past history. So this, for me, um, putting this you know episode together was kind of um, eye-opening and heart-wrenching all at the same time. And just listening to you gives me um, courage to open up more about that to other people. Kristen, how about you? Um, well, I would do therapy on and off since I don't know I was in college um and my husband knows my past but I don't really have more people outside of my marriage that I have shared this with nor want to share it with um just a few close friends and of course my spouse um but uh I I feel like I it's a lifelong thing. It's an ongoing process. Um, I just take it when something triggers it. I try to just talk to my spouse about it. He's the only one I really feel safe, you know, having that conversation with. It's interesting that um, Nikki mentioned that when she found out she was having a boy, that she was more concerned about that because I remember the same exact thing when I found out my my second child was going to be our first son. Um, so just um, and so I really I that brought back a pretty vivid memory of my husband and I just really having a conversation about, you know, I was so worried that my son was going to grow up to be an abuser just because he was a man. And he's always not, he's the sweetest little bean you'll ever meet. But, um, but, uh, I also had an obsession with my kids feet and I, maybe that was totally subconscious, but I just love how like sweet and innocent they are. And I just remember totally like they're, uh, toes curling around my fingers to Bobby Nurse and so maybe less less consciously than Nikki did but I guess that that was also my way of just treasuring that moment with my child um so I'm glad she shared that yeah yeah that's good yeah I actually I had four boys and um and I guess I never really put any thought behind having the difference between a girl and a boy so for me it was always a little bit of a concern and you know it did carry along 
through even the connection I remember not being able to say I love you it was always third party I used to always say mommy loves you and it took me a while to connect that it was me as a person that I was the one that loved him and so connecting it and and maybe that was part of the um separation for a while but when I connected that and realized that I think that's when things turned around for me is becoming the I person instead of the third person yeah good yeah Diana, um, where can someone get the kind of support and help they need? Well, there's several places, and a lot of it depends on what you can afford. If you can find a good licensed uh, therapist, whether they be marriage family therapy or uh, a licensed clinical social worker or a psychiatrist or a Ph.D., just make sure that they specialize in women and understanding women's issues and sexual abuse. You can also contact women's centers and Jewish Family Services, Catholic Family Services, and ask if they have groups or individuals on staff that specialize in sexual abuse. They often do. Also, Mesa Vista Hospital has a cognitive structuring program for people that have been sexually abused. Um, they have individual as well as group. And I still think that the self-help groups, maybe through a women's center of other victims that are in the group, creates an atmosphere of safety and knowing that other people have experienced the same thing you have just helps you move along much quicker. Mm, good. I completely agree with that. There's nothing more empowering than being in a room of survivors. There, I mean, there's just nothing that is more helpful than that. Like I said, I've been in therapy for 12 years and I can tell you that the most helpful quote-unquote therapy did not come from professionals it came from other survivors walking the same walk that I have that's wonderful good well thank you so much Diana and Nikki and Kristen for taking the time out to help other moms who might be facing these same fears and knowing that they can find the right support and learn that they too can enjoy their breastfeeding relationship with their baby as well and for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show as Diana shares with us the best advice given to her and what advice she would give others. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hello, Boob Group listeners. I'm Amber McCann, an international board-certified lactation consultant and the owner of Nourish Breastfeeding Support just outside of Washington, D.C. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions when it comes to finding quality breastfeeding resources online, such as, Google isn't cutting it. Where can I find some face-to-face -face support? Even though I distinctly remember, quote, the day the Internet came to town at my college, I would consider myself a digital native. I tend to check my email before I even get out of bed, and my online life sometimes gets in the way of real life. Even before my first child was born, I went straight to the Internet for information and support. But as wonderful as that help was, it simply couldn't replace sitting face-to-face -face with another breastfeeding mother who would tell me, you can do this. 
But finding that kind of support can be confusing. I needed quick and easy access to schedules and locations for such meetings. Enter Breastfeeding USA. They are a new and growing mother-to-mother support organization that recognizes that you, the breastfeeding mother, are online and also need in-person support to help you along and engage you on Facebook and Twitter. Check them out at www.breastfeedingusa.org and click on the Find Breastfeeding Counselor button. Thank you for listening. I'm Amber McCann, and I'd love for you to check out my website at www.nourishbreastfeeding.com for more information about my business and a little bit about where to get connected with great online breastfeeding support. Or you can join me on my Facebook page at www.facebook.com backslash nourishbreastfeeding. And if you have a great online breastfeeding resource you'd like us to know about, please send me an email to amber at nourishbreastfeeding.com or share it on the Boob Group Facebook page. Be sure to listen to the Boob Group each week for more fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and how to find great breastfeeding support. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Infants and Toddlers, Twin Talks for Parents with Multiples, and our new show, Newbies, for postpartum moms during baby's first year. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.